welcome. Glad you're here. If this happens to be your first time, a very special welcome to you. I'm, I'm Shannon. I get to be the lead pastor here. And uh, I would love to meet you after the service if I haven't had a chance to do that. So I'll be, I'll be hanging out over there after the service. Um, hello to those online and those maybe listening in on our podcast later on. You picked a good day to be here because we are starting a new series. We are about to spend the next eight weeks walking through the Old Testament book of Exodus. Exodus, a uh, little bit of, I don't know, trivia or whatever for you, language. Uh, Exodus, it's a Greek word, ex, it means out. That's where we get our word like exit, right? And then hodos, it means road or way. So you put ex and hodos together, you get exodos or exodus. And uh, it means the road or the way out. And that's exactly what we're going to look at as we walk with the Israelites, God's chosen people, and we see how he brings them out. So we're going to spend the next eight weeks Walking through this, obviously we could spend like two years on this, um, but we're going to spend the next eight weeks. And you would think if we're going to start a series uh, on a book of the Bible that we would start at the beginning, right? Well, um, of course, but no, we're going to start today in Exodus chapter 19. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to Exodus 19. There's a reason we're starting in 19, because chapter 19 is the in-between. It's the in-between of the book of Exodus itself. It's also the in-between of the Pentateuch or the Torah. Uh, Pentateuch means uh, the first five books. It means five, the five books of the Bible. A Torah, they're interchangeable. They mean the same thing. But Exodus, with all of its many chapters, there's 40 chapters, it takes up about half of the five books of the Bible. So we are right in the in-between, not only of the Torah, but also of this story, this historical uh, understanding of what God has done. So we're going to start in the in-between, and so as we do that, the one thing I want to ask you guys is kind of get your mind in this place is, do you understand the in-between? Like, do you under, have you ever, do you ever feel like you're in an in-between? Like, maybe you've just come out of something, and you're about to go into something else. It could be a bad something you came out of, like the Israelites out of slavery. It could be something good, but it's something that's transpired and occurred, whether it's you know, graduation or a job or, you know, like marriage or divorce or, you know, retirement. I mean, really the possibilities are endless that you could be coming out of something and about to embark on something new. And yet there's this like little holding pattern of the in-between. Sometimes it's not very long at all. It's like quick, fast, and done, and then you go along. But other times we might feel like we're at the in-between for a period of time. We're going to find today the Israelites, God's people, in an in-between. Um, so here's how you can do this. Like I said, one of the ways you view Exodus is chapters 1 through 18 really are about what God has done. They describe all the things that God has done while the Israelites were in slavery. All the things he put into place, the miracles, the signs and wonders, everything that occurred to bring them out of slavery. That's chapters 1 through 18. And then if you look at chapters 20 through 40, it's what God expects of his people. And right there in the middle is chapter 19, the in-between. So we're going to start today um, looking at this in, in chapter 19. And the reason I want us to kind of try to grab a hold of it and give some sort of understanding in our lives right now and not just go, hey, let's, let's check out and see what the Israelites did. But like, let's, let's look at it for us. How do, we, how do I apply this? 
I believe that if we do this, if we understand this, if we can grab a hold of this, if we can understand what God has done in our lives and what he wants to do in the future, if we can grab a hold of that in the same way he's done it with the Israelites, this won't just be a study or an eight-week series on an Old Testament book of the Bible, but what this will start to do is this will actually start to bring about the opportunity for freedom And promise in your life. And this is my prayer. This has been my prayer. That we would experience a spiritual renewal in our lives. Individually. Corporately. In our community. This is the prayer that's been on my heart. Beginning in verse 1 of Exodus 19. Exactly two months after the Israelites left Egypt... They arrived in the wilderness of Sinai. After breaking camp at Rephidim, they came to the wilderness of Sinai and set up camp there at the base of Mount Sinai. Then, this, this, this sentence just blows me away. Then Moses climbed the mountain to appear before God. That is an amazing appearance that like, you know, like you hear that word appear before and you think like, oh, I got to go to court or something. That's not good, right? He gets to appear before God. Okay, so just, uh, just wanted to say that. Wow. The Lord called to him from the mountain and said, so now he's about to speak, and he says, give these instructions to the family of Jacob, announce it to the descendants of Israel. So remember, I don't know if you know this, but Jacob and Israel are the same person. His name was changed from Jacob to Israel. So he's saying this, this word is for all the people, and here's what God says, verse 4. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You know how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples on earth, for all the earth belongs to me. And you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This is the message you must give to the people of Israel. So Moses returned from the mountain and called together the elders of the people and told them everything the Lord had commanded him. So this was like early days, like text messaging. God tells Moses, Moses goes back, calls together the leader of all the tri tribes, tells them what's going on, and they go and they tell people. And so it filters out all amongst the Israelites that God says, I did something. You know what I did. You've lived it. You've experienced it. You've walked through it. And now I have something more. And he wants them to know this. How, um, and I don't know if easy is the right word, but how possible is it, let's put ourselves in the, in the place of an Israelite um, for a moment if we can try. How simple, easy, probable is it that if you're an Israelite and you just experienced what you've experienced, that you saw the signs and wonders that God did in Egypt to finally make Pharaoh go, these people have got to go, and you get to leave. And like you, like you were one of the people, all the people, but like you 
walked on the dry seabed of the Red Sea as God delivered you and, and allowed you to walk to the other side because an army was pursuing you. Like you experienced all this. You were there. You, when you were back in Egypt, you put the, the blood on the doorpost of your home so that, so that death would not come there and would not take your firstborn, so that you were passed over because of God's working and his presence and his grace. Like imagine you're an Israelite and you've like all this has gone on and now here you are and you, you're no longer a slave, which we can't understand that. We cannot wrap our mind around that. But like when, when it's, they are no longer slaves, like they don't, they were a slave. Their parents were slaves. Their grandparents were slaves. Their great-grandparents were slaves. On and on and on. 400 years, this is who they were. This is what they were. They might Sure, they had a first name among their friends, but to everyone else, it was slave. You're a slave. You're just a slave. And so now they're no longer a slave. Okay, They're no longer in bondage. They're no longer in that. They have seen these miracles occur. And now they are away. The, the Egyptian army is not going to chase them. They got all swallowed up in that water. 60, 50 to 60 days later, you've moved on. And here you are at the foot of Mount Sinai. And I wonder how, it, how possible it could be to go, wow, is, as an Israelite, wow, thanks, God. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for taking us out of that place. It was bad. Thank you. And, and you know, I'm, I'm good. I could, like, I know we set camp here, but I could go ahead and build a house here. Like, I'm good. Like, here's where I'll be. This is where I'll stay. But that's not what God had for them. God didn't bring him out of Egypt for them to just come to the, the, the base of the mountain and, and sit there. He has more for them. But I wonder how, sim how easy it would have been to just be like, wow, that was so amazingly, wonderfully awesome. And now I'm going to live here for the rest of my life. But see, if you look at the words of verse 5, what does it say? What does it say? God says, if you will obey me and keep my covenant. If you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure. You will be my people. You will be my, my special people, my treasure. This is who you'll be. If you obey. Hang on, if I obey, I'll be your people. Aren't I your people? Like, why didn't you, why did you just do all that stuff? Was I not already your people? But see, God has more. He brought them out of slavery so that they could see the, the life that is possible for them. If you obey. And that's a word we love to tell other people. It's a word we don't mind telling children to do. Or people that, you know, we supervise or oversee, obey. But God is telling the Israelites to obey. So the question that then I ask myself is, okay, so that's maybe like, is that possible that what the Israelites were thinking? I think it is. And the reason I think it is, it's not just like a random guess. Like, no, of course they were ready for more. They were so ready to devote their lives. Like, I really think that is a possibility for a good number of them because today, as people who call ourselves Christian, 
as people who say, I believe there is a creator God. I believe there is a father God. There is one who has put all this in motion. And we said, I believe that there is a son. There is one who came and gave his life for us. Like he gave his life. He died for my sin. So that that sin is no longer on me. I'm not a slave to that sin anymore that I can live. Like I, I don't have to be bound by that. I don't have to be in chains to that anymore. I can have new life. And, and I, the, so I, the reason I say the Israelites might have been like that is because I know that today there are some of us that we're like, hey, God, thank you for you, and thank you for Jesus, thank you for the removal of sin, thank you for the salvation that you bring to us. It's almost as if I have walked through the dry bed of a sea because you have brought me out of what used to be, thank you so much, and now I'm good. Like, I really, like, I'm good. I can just build my house here. Like, thank goodness I'm not in that place anymore, and I just kind of will remain here the rest of my life. But when I look at verse 5, what I see is I see God saying, I've got more for you. I have more for you. I did not, you know, I did not save you just so you could say you were saved, like, this isn't just a, like a history lesson. You know, like, I didn't save you. I saved you for a purpose. I've, I've saved you for something more. I've saved you for flourishing. I've saved you for fruitful living, for you to be alive. So with all that, I would say this. With our obedience comes the blessing of God. With our obedience comes the blessing of God. He says, if you obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my people. And my prayer for us is to experience an understanding that we don't just hang out at the foot of the mountain and go, hey, thanks. Thanks for what you've done. But instead, we lean into God and we say, God, I want to be, I want to live in obedience to you because I know that, that you did not just call me to a life of, of status quo. That you didn't call me to just live in the in-between. That you have more. So my prayer for us is that we would begin to experience this obedience with blessing. That we would begin to, that my prayer is that you individually would be asking yourself, God, am I living in obedience to you? Or are there things about me, are there aspects of my life, are there things going on that are not, that I know, like I, don't, I wish Shannon would stop talking right now because it hurts me to hear that I'm supposed to be in obedience to you because I'm not. He says, if you obey, you will be my people. That's a word for the people in the in-between. And I don't, I don't want to stay in the in-between. Do you want to stay in the in-between? You want to be in that place? So my prayer for us is that we would just lean into God, that we would, that we would call on him, that we would be unashamed to, to just confess our sins and to reconcile brokenness and to seek repentance and, and, and just go after that just with everything we have, that we consume his word, 
that we crave his presence, that we would experience a spiritual renewal and a spiritual revival in our lives. And it's in the in-between where we have to decide this, where we recognize this. Because in bondage and slavery, renewal is not possible, obviously. God had to bring them out. He, had, he, he needed them to understand, you are no longer slaves. You get to be free. But it wasn't, he didn't just free them for freedom. He freed them for life and purpose. So this is where this is possible. You're not going to, none of us are going to be revived if we're still in chains. It's not going to happen. Coming out of all that has happened, slavery, oppression, we celebrate how God has saved us. This is what spiritual renewal looks like. This is what revival in our hearts and in our minds looks like. Because we go, thank you for what you've done, but oh God, I know you've got something more. Renewal happens when we recognize what God has done and in obedience, we look forward to what he will do. So when I say the word spiritual renewal, when I say revival, and that's like, that is like a cool drink of water to you because you are just dry and you, you're thirsty, you want more, you feel it, you know it, you, you understand that. I tell you that renewal happens when we take the time to recognize what God has done and then in obedience, we look forward to what he's going to do. In obedience. There are the, in this passage, in verses 1 through 7, there are these interrogative questions, you know, the who, what, when, where, whys, that get asked. And I want to take a moment and, and answer them for the Israelites, but then I want to take, uh, and I want us to look at, answer them for us now, Okay. So one of the questions that is answered is the, the when and the where. Verses 1 and 2 tell us it's been about 50 to 60 days since they've left Egypt. So almost two months of, of leaving slavery. So a, a, enough time, but man, they're, they're fresh though. I mean, this is just brand new kind of thing. And we know, because it tells us, that they're at the foot of Mount Sinai, which is a very important place. We know this. It, it becomes just a central point for them. So we know when and where they are. Now an another question that gets answered is what God has done. We're going to see this over the series. We're going to talk in depth about this much more. But in, in verse 4, it just says God brought them out of, we know that God has brought them out of centuries of slavery. But there's so much more. He ensured their survival during that time. He heard their cry while they were in bondage. He remembered his covenant with them. He demonstrated his superiority over Pharaoh with signs and wonders, like just miraculous. He passed over the firstborn, which we've mentioned, and he's brought them out of Egypt, and he's delivered them not just from the army, but from the sea itself. This is what God has done. So we know what God has done. And then we have the, the verse 5 issue. <laughs> what is expected? So what's expected? 
And it's one word, obedience. I could, I could write a couple of paragraphs to share with you, but really it's just, I would just keep talking. I would say obedience. It's just, we need to obey. We need to be people who are saying, God, what does your word say? Okay, I will obey it. Where's your word telling me? I will obey it. As I'm praying, how, how, how are you leading? Like, what do you, oh, that's what you want me to do? Okay, I will obey it. Like, it's obedience. That's what is expected, and that's what he wants of, his, of the Israelites. So they're out of slavery, and now they're challenged to depend on God. No more dependence on their oppressors. No more dependence on the Egyptians, and obedience is key. And then the other question is, who? Who? Who, who they can become? And verse, the end of verse 5 and beginning of, and verse 6 tells us that they will become a holy nation, a kingdom of priests. God's special treasure. That's who they'll become. So God's plan is to transform them. His plan is to transform them. They will no longer be slaves. They will be his special treasure, which means, in effect, that they will be recipients of his blessing, his presence in their life. Don't you want that? kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So now let's look at it for us. When and where are you? When and where are you? Are you, are you still in slavery? Are you, are you still bound up? Are you calling yourself free, but, you, but the chains are there? Like in the timeline, in the story of your life, where are you right now? When are you? What's going on? Are you still there in bondage? Are you, are you making your way to the foot of the mountain? Are you in the in-between? Or are you at a place where you understand, I know, God, you have more for me, and you call me to a life of obedience and worship of you and how I live my life and how I carry out my very existence. And because of that, I, I, I'm, I know I'm going to be in like communion with you. I'm going to have a relationship with you because of this. Where and when are you right now? Are you at the foot of the mountain going, hey, thank you for salvation. I'll just stay here. When did you last seek God? When did you last seek him? Like really earnestly seek him. When, when did you last open his word in expectation to hear from him? When did you last worship him with no distractions, no concern, you don't care, you are just, no, you know that you're standing before the, the holy presence of God and you worship? When are you? And I have to say, God has a process for sure. But I just, just like they wandered for 40 years and they didn't have to, they didn't have to. They didn't have to take that long. I wonder how many of us might feel like we're at an in-between and we really, it shouldn't, we shouldn't have been there for this long. That we shouldn't have been at this place for this long. Where and when are you? What has God done for you? 
if you find yourself in that place of the in-between and you're going, oh, I, I, I want to know, I, I do want that relationship with God. I do want to be his special treasure. I want to be like his kingdom of priests. I want to be part of that holy nation. I want to live into this. I want to be part of this. Remember all the things God has done for you. When you're in the in-between, remember what God has done for you. Because it would be real easy to try to forget. But remember what he's done. And listen, I can't answer that for all, I can't answer that for you. Like we would all have a list of different things of what God has done for us. Like really specific things, right? Of things that God has done. But I can tell you the answer that is true for every single one of us. And that he has made life with him possible through Jesus. He has given us salvation through Jesus Christ. Where we were covered in sin, he came and gave us life. He paid the debt for our sins so that we might live. That's what God has done for us. We can call on his name because of Jesus. This is what he's done. And so, praise God for that. Worship God for that. Thank God for that. Another question that is asked is, what is expected of us? So what's expected of us? We know what you told the Israelites. What do you expect of us on this side of history as, as believers, like with Jesus now as part of this whole story? What is expected of us? It's the same thing that's in verse 5, obedience. We're called to a life of obedience. And I will just say this. If you're not doing what you know God has told you to do just because you don't want to do it, friends, you're living in sin and you, you just don't want to be there. Get out of there. Get out of that. Move beyond that. Call it for what it is. Confess it and move beyond that because he has more for you. What's expected? Obedience. Obedience. And who can you become? Who can you become? Is it the same? Is it, does he say the same thing for the Israelites? Does it count for us too? Yes, we can be a holy people. You keep God's purposes for you in the forefront of your mind and do not lose sight of your position. You are not a slave. You are not bound by the sin that, that had a hold of you if you say yes to Jesus. You've been freed from that. You've been released from that. You are now, okay, don't, don't take slave and put it on a name tag and wear that anymore. Rip that off and, and know that you are a co-heir with Christ. You are sons and daughters of the king. That's who you are. That's who you are through Jesus Christ. Don't, don't believe or live into the old lies, right? The, the name calling, the telling you that, oh, this is who you used to be. Sure, okay, but now this is who I am. I am a child of the king. Like I said, I know that when, most likely when I've mentioned spiritual renewal or revival, that that for many people is like, oh, yes, yes. Like maybe you didn't know what to call it, but it's like a craving that you know. Or maybe just even this morning, being here and looking at God's word, you, you're sensing that, that, that hunger and it clicked with you. It's something you're longing for. And I believe 
that spiritual renewal, that that revival that we're called to, when we find ourselves in the in-between, it starts with the word of God. We've got to be reading God's word. We've got to be reading his word. What do you have for me, God? What do you mean by obedience, God? How am I supposed to obey God? All those questions are answered in his word. So if you're not reading anywhere right now, I would just encourage you to start reading the book of Exodus because that's what we're going to be talking about for the next eight weeks. If you're reading something else, good on you. Also start reading the book of Exodus because that's what we're going to be talking about for the next eight weeks. Let's start, let's start reading God's word together. Let's be in it. Let's read it. Let's have expectation for it whenever we open it up. Spiritual renewal starts with God's word. And along with his word, spiritual renewal, revival, like when we're in the in-between and we're saying, okay, now what? You know what? Ha- worship is an important part of that. Worship is an important part. Of it. It's a profound way to renew our faith is to participate in worship. We've done that this morning. We'll do that again a little bit more in a moment. But we also want to just have time where we can just be in the presence of God. So not tomorrow night, but next Monday, the 18th at 7 o'clock in here, we're just going to have a night of worship and prayer. Just worship and prayer. And it's going to be good. It's going to be good. Surprise. (laughs) You know, um, along with worship and along with his word, it's prayer. It's prayer. And I don't know if you've noticed the last couple of weeks, but you, I'm sure you will. I know you will start noticing it. But as we kind of, you know, end the message time and go into a time that we call like the response, a time of worship, you're going to start to notice that there'll be uh, someone on this side of the room and we're, we're building some kneelers like we've got the materials to build the kneelers. Um, and we're going to have more kneelers over there, but we're going to have people every week that are here after the service that their whole purpose for being there is to pray with you if you need someone to pray with you. Now, and, and so, you know, you come up, if you want, you want that, you come up, you just make eye contact with whoever's standing there and they will pray with you. Now, you might want to just come and pray and you don't want to, you know, you don't need that or you have someone with you, whatever, that's cool. You come and pray, just say, I'm good. But I'll tell you, that person will be praying for you while you're praying. We want, we want to experience what God has for us. So it, this happens in the word. This happens in worship. This happens through prayer. And we want this to be a part of our lives. It is important. God has called us to something more. We're not going to stay at the foot of the mountain. We're not going to hang out in the in-between. We are his people. We are his holy nation. We are his special treasures. We are his sons and daughters. This is who we are. We get to live into this. As the band comes back out and we spend a little time in worship this morning, I just want to remind you that it is in the in-between, it's in the in-between where we remember what God has done. And friends, it's where we look forward to what he's going to do. And this is where we are. And it starts right now. It starts right now, like this morning, it's starting. Like that we want to be people who say, okay, here I am, God. I'm here. I'm at the foot of the mountain. I keep hearing this word obedience, and I don't like it, but I've heard it. Let's pray. God, I pray that this morning 
by the power of your Holy Spirit, by the power of your word, that you, not me, that you will be piercing every single heart. I'm telling them a couple of things. Number one, you love them deeply. Deeply, you love them. Like, it's not a halfway, it's not a, you know, are we dating or are we not? It's, it's not like, are we just talking? It, this is like, this is all the way in. This is all, this is a full-on relationship with you. You love us. And so, God, for the, for the person that's, that's here today, who's listening, who's watching, and they do feel that overwhelming sense of shame and regret and hurt because the word obedience just, just slams right up against the way they've been living and the, and the way they've been thinking and, and acting or, or not acting. God, the, the promise and the hope is right there at the cross of Jesus. They, they don't have to be slaves anymore. That today's the day that you remove those shackles, those chains. You take them away and you say, I've got life for you and it's good. And Lord, we live into that obedience. Lord, I pray that you would speak that truth this morning. And for those of us who have just been like, oh, I'm okay, I'm just right here. Thanks for the salvation and I'm good. That there would be a hunger, there would be a dryness in our mouth, in our heart, in our mind, that only your Holy Spirit can satisfy. Only your Holy Spirit can satisfy. And we want it, and we desire it, and we yearn for it. And so we are going to be in your word, and we are going to worship, and we're going to be in prayer, and we are going to be expectant for what you have, and we're going to obey. Because it's the glorious life that you have for us. Thank you for Jesus. And it's in his name we pray.